Good evening and welcome to Milkshake Monday. Being presented by Fordos Production, I am Anita Helm. Tonight's episode 202 is called Last Moments, My Remembrance. Now, for some of you, you're not aware that we're in August the 1st, 2022. Well, on August the 2nd, 2021, William Dallas Helm transitioned to go to heaven. And this is his year anniversary, and I wanted to share a message about the Lord, but also to do my remembrance of a dear friend and husband and pastor and brother in the Lord. So many of you have been on this journey with me. And I say journey because when someone goes through grief, it is such a unique experience, an experience that for me, yes, I have had people in my life close to me, my father and other members of my family who have passed, but this is a spouse and it's very unique. Um, I thought last night for the first time, a unique way that I've heard the words, death do us part, but it wasn't until early this morning when I found myself kind of weeping about the loss that I recognized that when God is the great physician and he does a cutting the way with such exact precision that he leaves the person that's left behind still living, but that person that he takes in that glorified body to be with him, there's such an exacting and the precision and it's not easy. And only the Lord through the walk that he and I will have and continue to have, will be able to see how the healing of that scar is. And I will say that it takes time and every day is a different moment of a heartbeat that he shares with me and comfort and helping me. But I wanted to share a few words. Uh, as you, as I said, it's my remembrance. And many people know William Dallas Helm or called him Bill or called him Rev or called him Pastor. You know him in so many ways. And like our pastor, Michael Watts, called and shared with me today and checking up on me in faith. Uh, he said it's, it's a rejoicing time because we know where he is. And it's also a bittersweet time because we miss him. And I, for months, didn't use the word M-I-S-S, miss, because to say those words really elicited a lot of emotion for me, more than other words. And I even told a friend, I said it's like missing home. I have a beautiful home and a house, but William Helm was part of my home, part of the us. You know, he and I were the us. So it's very different living day to day when part of your home is in heaven and you're adjusting to know that we're, we're moving on, we're living on, we're taking each day as it comes. But I wanted to say a couple of things to those of you who have people in your life who you've lost, and this is the opportunity for you to reflect for your own loved ones. I know there are a lot of people who have lost people to COVID, who've lost people to tragedies and suicides and opioid, all kinds of things and car wrecks and just sickness. And, and my heart goes out to you in your pain and in your loss and your grieving. So one of the things I wanted to share is that it's so important. Now, many people say they want people not to suffer. But I always used to think about it. Either you have a situation where the person you love suffers or you have a situation where that person dies immediately and you never have any kind of closure to say goodbye. It's either one or the other. 
Well, in the case of those, in the case like William had was, he was sick for a while after the stroke in 2010 and then having these other ailments. It was a long time that he suffered. But here's the thing I want to say to those of you who are alive and have people that you love around you, whether it's your spouse or your children or your cousins or mother, father, friends. Love people now. I purposely did not want to have the regret of not sharing love. And when we went from the time of a lot of his sickness getting worse, and even when we were taking him back and forth to dialysis in places, you don't want to regret loving. So I say, make sure you love, leave it all there on the table. Even when that person is semi-conscious, they can feel and they can hear. And it's important to share love. And the love of God is the most important. And I know that um, there was nothing that any of us in that experience wanted to do more than to share the love that we had for uh, a man that was very giving and he gave, he gave what he knew, which was the Lord's word. And uh, one of my friends from California said, you know, he gave a lot of groceries and Faith said, yeah, he did feed a lot of people. And I said, no, he's not talking about groceries. He's talking about the word of God that he gave the word of God to feed the people. Um, so I want to share, you need to make sure that you love the people around you. Um, for me, I found it to be a great privilege, uh, to love such a, such a kind hearted man. I'm going to get this together. Anyway, uh, William said to me weeks before he died, he said, at probably the time where faith was tired and I took over for her and watching him as he was having restless sleep and, and needed things in the middle of the night morning. And he said, Anita, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sick. And I stopped him after I, I kind of regret that I didn't let him keep talking, but I wanted to stop him and say, um, you don't have to be sorry that you're sick. I consider it a great privilege to to be here, to be in the moment to uh, that a God has allowed me to take care. Now, some people begrudge taking care of people they love, but that's part of love. Uh, you take care of people you love. And it is the greatest honor that I've had in my 55 years to know that God entrusted me. And I use that word entrusted because William had told me of many circumstances in his life where on the ships, sometimes they'd have mail calls and there wouldn't be mail and, uh, or 
the goodie boxes or the things. And I wasn't in his life that time. And I always kind of regretted that I wasn't on the pier waving and having balloons and sending cards and gifts because I said I'd send you stuff every day just so you'd have plenty at mail call. But I told him I couldn't be there because I wasn't in your life. But God allowed me to be in his life for that part of time where he's uh, he needed somebody to encourage and to love and to share the gospel of the word because what I'm going to share of the word tonight is times in the Bible where you see that people are getting ready to make that transition. And I really want us to take away, not just don't have regrets, love, but also recognize that as people are nearing the end of their lives in this natural plane, especially those who are believers, the Lord can speak to those people's hearts for them to have an understanding that it's coming. And when it's coming, those of us who say that we know the Lord Jesus Christ and understand his word, understand that you're not just leaving to go to dirt, that God is going to take you from this corruptible body and he's going to put on incorruption. And that when I read at the end about first Corinthians 15, that's our hope. And I remember taking the night shift or the early morning shift at three in the morning and and speaking to William while he was, he would wake up at that time. Cause I think he, he either was alert because of all the medicine kind of weaning off of him, or he knew that it was time and I would be down there early in the morning and I would sing to him and, uh, I would read the scriptures to give him understanding that he already knew, but I wanted to reinforce that was my privilege. I wanted to reinforce what we knew as believers, what it meant that we were getting ready to take this transition. And I remember um, certain scriptures that I knew he loved. He loved Genesis 3. He just loved, he loved all of the Bible, but there are certain scriptures that he really loved. And I remember one night the Lord's Spirit speaking to my heart to go to 1 Corinthians 15 and to read for him that. And he acknowledged that I was reading it. And it wasn't that he smiled, but you could sense that he knew the scripture. And, and we were holding on tight as fellow believers, him being my brother always, even in heaven, he'll be my brother. So tonight I wanted to say that, uh, that we have to grow in the moments that God is giving us. And I wanted to share that God is near. God is so near. And with you all being a part of this journey, I've wanted you not to see me as somebody strong because I cry like everybody else. I am touched by everybody else, but I wanted you to see that we as Christian believers have a hope. We have a hope in God. We have a hope in his truth. We have a hope in knowing that this is not the only place we're going to be and that we have that love of Christ. And he knows us and we know him that we're going to see the people that we miss and love again. And when I say God is near, I mean that with the core of my fiber that he's near and he's loving and he's kind and he's merciful. And each tear that each of us cry, God knows he analyzes those tears because he was the great physician and he knew exactly what he meant to say that, you know, death do us part because he knows life and he knows death and he knows what we feel. And I just wanted you all to know that, uh, I appreciate that William Helm is no longer sick, never going to be sick again. 
He's never going to need dialysis again. He's never going to need a pill again or injection again, or anybody taking blood again. None of that. He loved his children. He loved his brothers. He loved everybody that he said the word to. And I often wondered how people couldn't just be taking notes all the time because he just read and studied and he wanted to give the word of God. And when I share those older videos, like I told him, I said, you know, you'll be in heaven, but we're going to be listening to your videos long after you and I are alive. And I share those videos because it's truth of God's word. So I wanted to have my remembrance of my dear friend and brother. Um, I probably won't, I don't know. Faith may post something tomorrow, but this is my remembrance. And I know you all know that I know what time of the year this is and it's not easy, but we have to share the gospel because everyone will not go and take their last breath and be with the Lord because they don't know. And so in my heart, you ask me, who is Anita Helm? Why four does? In my heart, God has gifted me with the spirit to teach, to encourage, and to be serving in hospitality. In my heart, I want to help and restore family relationships, marital relationships, relationships, because I believe that we are falling apart in our relationships and we're taking them for granted. And God has given me a heart to be remorseful and want to do something for that. He's also given me some things to share with you regarding things that I truly would have loved to known as a younger woman, as a middle-aged woman and what I am now that I didn't know at the time that I was going through. And I was too embarrassed and ashamed to tell people that I was struggling with a lot of things, whether in my finance or business. And I decided long ago that I'm not going to be ashamed and afraid. And I'm going to share my testimony because so many people need to know that they're not the only one going through struggles and that the Lord has so much in his word to talk about all of it. And so my life is to be a witness for who God is and also to share my life stories with others to help them. So that's what's going on. So tonight we're going to be in three, three stories and first Kings chapter two. Thank you, Pam. I'm taking my time. <laughs> I hate to cry in front of people and that's pride. And God is breaking pride up with me. And the second thing I hate to do is blow my nose. So God is really breaking apart pride tonight. But in first Kings chapter two, we're going to see David's last words to Solomon. Now, what you realize is that in the stories I'm going to share with each of you, it kind of lets you know that many of us, as the time of our transition comes, and for those who are not instant, but it takes some time, the Lord has the ability to give us insight that to get our house in order, to start sharing the message of truth to the people that we love, to start giving understanding of things that he has shown to us so that we can share with other generations. And here we have David who has been called a man after God's own heart. He's had many sons. He's had a daughter. He's had a lot of situations in life that he's sinned and he's gone before the Lord and asked God's forgiveness. But now at the end of his life, he wants to talk to his son. Just like some of your parents, grandparents, and people in your life, when they start to get closer to death, they start to tell you things. They start to give you an understanding that they're getting ready to make a transition. But a lot of us will say, don't talk like that because we don't want to face it. 
We don't want to hear it. We think they're giving up, but they're trying to share with us some truth, some understanding of what they've lived and some life lessons they want to tell you. So here in the second chapter, beginning at verse one, when David's time to die was near, I want y'all to hear that word near. That's why I said God is near you. God is so near you because even when people are about to die, they know it's near. And sometimes God tells them it's near. When David's time to die was near, he told his son Solomon, I'm going the way of all the earth. So be strong. Show yourself to be a man. Do what the Lord your God tells you. What an awesome word. Do what the Lord your God tells you. Isn't that what all of us are just trying to share in every simple way? God loves us enough that he cares for us. Walk in his ways. Keep all his laws and his word by what is written in the law of Moses. Then you will do well in all that you do in every place you go. That's what parents want. They want their kids to do well. But in order to do well, you can't forsake God. You have to do what the Lord your God tells you. You have to walk in his ways. And then you will do well in all that you do and in every place you go. Verse four, then the Lord will keep his promise to me. He said to me, your sons must be careful of their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and soul. If, if they do, you will never be without a man on the throne of Israel. Now, David goes on in the next few verses and he starts to tell about his life and how in his life people have done evil against him. People have done wrong against him and he's bided his time and he hasn't retaliated. But he's going to start to tell Solomon, this is what happened in my life. But I want you to exercise wisdom, but I don't want you to allow these people who have wronged me to go to death in peace. But he tells Solomon each time to exercise wisdom because David's not God. But you will see that Solomon goes later and asks God to help him know how to reign. He asks God and God gives him wisdom. So when David says, I'm going to jump down to verse six. So act with wisdom. Some of us, some of you have to ask God for us to act with more wisdom, to tell your own loved ones who you are about to leave behind to act with more wisdom. And how will they have wisdom? They have to get to know God. They have to walk with God. They have to know God. So he goes on and he starts to tell people that he wants to be at his table. He wants Solomon to bless. And then he goes at the verse nine, for you are a wise man. He's a wise man, but until he asks God to give him wisdom, he's a wise man in his own understanding. But God is going to give him wisdom that is beyond what he knows. And for us living in this kind of treacherous world, 
We have to ask God for more wisdom because things are getting bad and they're going to get worse because evil is getting hotter and hotter because Satan knows the time is drawing nigh. No man knows the hour of the day that the Lord is going to return, but the father, but even the demons, when they approached Christ, they said, have you come to torment us before the time? They know that there's a time coming where the father is going to have his son come. And it says here, for you are a wise man. You will know what you should do to him. Bring him, bring his gray hair down to the grave with blood. And here's the death of David in verse 10. Then David died and was buried in the city of David. He had ruled over Israel 40 years. Seven years he ruled in Hebron and 33 years he ruled in Jerusalem. Solomon sat on the throne of his father, David, and things went well for the nation. And I'd love for you, if you have time, to read Ecclesiastes. Because all of that wisdom that Solomon had, all of that wealth that he had, all of the different wives he had, all the different things that he did, he came to some understanding that I think a lot of us have to come through. So let's go to Deuteronomy 31. I'm going to get a little bit more energy. Deuteronomy 31 is a transition of power. Moses is in charge of the nation of Israel, but God is going to tell him he's getting ready to die, but he's not going to see the promised land. And there's going to be a transition and a succession that God is going to ordain. And I say this for people, families, ministries that, especially with, I see a lot of ministers who are in these places, 30, 40, 50 years, and there's no secession planning and you leave everything to these select committees and, and these different committees that go on. But I ask for us to really be in prayer about what the Lord wants to do, because here we see examples over and over again, how there's a leader and God picks the next leader. But we have this habit. We got to do it. We got to have our fingers in everything. You know, the casting of lots for uh, Matthias and Matthias is never heard of anymore in the New Testament other than the casting of lots. And then it was the Lord on the Damascus Road, Jesus Christ in Acts 9 that picked Saul who became Paul. So the Lord has a way of picking who he wants. So in Deuteronomy 31, we're going to start at verse 23 because we're going to see that God not only tells Moses about some things about his own death, but he also tells some things about how things are going to keep on progressing. And even in your life, things keep progressing even after you go to glory. Now, it's important for you to make sure that you get your house in order. That's an expression in the Bible, but it's your opportunity to tell the people in your life that you love them. Tell them about the love of God. Tell them about what truth it is. It says, speak the truth in love. It's not too late. Start a time to do that stuff. So in verse 14 of Deuteronomy 31, it says, the Lord says to Moses, now the day of your death is near. Again, that word near. Didn't say exactly when, but it says it's near. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tent of meeting where I will commission him. Change of leadership, succession planning. Moses is not dead, but God has already saw, saw fit to say who his successor is going to be that he's naming. So Moses and Joshua came and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. Then the Lord appeared at the tent of the, in a pillar of cloud and the cloud stood over the entrance to the tent. Now I want y'all to stop for a second. Moses has been told that the day of his death is near. 
God has said he's going to commission Joshua, tells them where to go. He's coming in the cloud. But I want y'all to understand something. We're getting ready to hear that God is going to tell about the rebellious nation of Israel, which we can't read it all tonight because of time. But I want y'all to understand something. When Joshua in the future sees the promised land and he sends out those 10 spies, there will be Caleb who believes that they can take the land. And of everybody, whether it's two million or whatever the exact number that only God knows of the nation of Israel, that God is getting ready to talk about the rebellion to Moses, who's going to die and to the new leader, it will only be Joshua and Caleb that get to see the promised land and the new generation of all these people that are going to die. They get to see it. But a lot of the people in this rebellion will die, even though they came out of Egypt, they came out but they didn't go into the promised land, only Joshua and Caleb. Now you say, why do we have to care? How is that impression something that we get to use? Because it's so easy for us to think that everybody that we're witnessing to is going to make it to glory. And we pray that they will, but only the Lord knows. That's why it's so important for you to listen to the voice of the spirit of God. Because some of the people that you're telling over and debating and telling them over and over and over and over and over again, like the nation who God already knows is going to rebel, who's not going to see the promised land. Listen to the spirit of God and make sure that you're hearing from the spirit of God where he wants you to be depositing the seed of the word. You can tell people, yes, but you can tell a receptive heart and one that has no interest in God. Put them on God's altar, but go and listen to the voice of the spirit who's telling you, you need to go talk to them. Here's what the word says. Verse 16, and the Lord said to Moses, you're going to rest with your ancestors and these people will soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land they're entering. They will forsake me and break the covenant I made with them. And in that day, I will become angry with them and forsake them. I will hide my face from them and they will be destroyed. Many disasters and calamities will come on them. And in that day, they will ask, have not these disasters come on us because our God is not with us? They understand what's going on. Now you're getting ready to see that God's going to tell them, tell Moses, I want you to write a song. And I want this song to be taught because I want generations and descendants to know of this song so that they know that I knew all along about the rebellion of the people so that the generations that do make it to the promised land will have a testimony that God knew. But the people that were seeing the disasters recognized that God was not with them. And it says, and I will certainly hide my face in that day because of all of their wickedness, wickedness and turning to other gods. We have a lot of people now in 2022 and days to come, months to come, years to come, turning their face to other gods. Now write down this song and teach it to the Israelites and have them sing it so that it may be a witness for me against them. 
when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, the land I promised on the on oath to their ancestors. And when they eat their fill and thrive, they will turn to other gods and worship them, rejecting me and breaking my covenant. And when my many disasters and calamities come on them, this song will testify against them because it will not be forgotten by their descendants. I know what they are disposed to do. He knows the wickedness of then. He knew the wickedness of Romans one. He knew the wickedness of all that's coming. All that yet shall come. He knows. He knows what the people and the evil wickedness of man's heart is. But even knowing that he sent his son. He sent his son to be on the cross because of the love he had. And he didn't want anybody to not have a way of escape. It's not his will that any should perish, but guess what? Many will. Now keep reading and I'll let you all keep reading. But at the end, I want you to see what he says to Joshua in verse 23. The Lord gave this command to Joshua, son of Nun, be strong and courageous for you will bring the Israelites into the land. I promised them on oath. And I myself will be with you. That's what gives me, even when there are tears at night or tears during Milkshake Monday or tears whenever, God is with me. God is with you. God is near. God is so near to us. Now we're going to go to the last example, and that's Jesus. Now, in Matthew 26 and 27, I can't read it all, but I want you all to understand that in verse 18, he says, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. The time that he is going to volunteer his life to get on a cross. He is going to be separated from his father for the first time in eternity because of a love for you and I. I can't read it all, but in the whole passage of Matthew 26 verses 18 through 50, you see that he's with his disciples and they're having the last supper and he washes their feet as a servant, even though he is the Messiah. He shows a love of service and they're saddened because he says that one of them is going to betray him and they're saddened because they're saying, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? They're not thinking about the appointed time being near and that Christ is about to die. They're thinking about, is it me? Is it me? I, is I, I'm not. And then Christ tells them who it is. And then he, he says this in the actual last supper, as we call, but then he tells them that everybody's going to desert him, strike the shepherd and everybody's going to desert him. And Peter, as you've all seen, says, not me. But even as he's about to approach death and his crucifixion, he tells Peter the truth about himself as we have to tell our loved ones the truth about himself. And he spoke the truth in love. And he told Peter, you're going to deny me before the cock crows three times. And you know, that's the truth. But then this story goes to the Gethsemane. And I want to read the part about Gethsemane because we see Christ is about to die and he tells them that, but he has the feelings of flesh as a man would. He's deity. He's holy. He's without sin, but he has all of those feelings. And guess what? 
when you start to get sick or you start to realize that death is coming, you can see that Christ had emotions for that. And if you find yourself in that situation, which all of us will one day, it's emotional to know that we're transitioning from a life that we've only known to the unknown. I'm sure it was very hard in whatever way that it can be hard. And I wasn't in Reverend's head, but I know that as much as he knew about the Lord and he trusted God and he loved God and he knew where he was going, it's not easy to face what you're going to face, whether you're going for hospice for a week or two weeks or months, you don't know, but we can see Christ had emotions there. So don't be surprised when you have emotions or when your loved one has emotions. That's natural. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ had emotions. So let's go over to Matthew. Give me my paper for a second. We're going to go to Gethsemane. So Matthew chapter 26, we're going to be in verse 36. And verse 36 says, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He went away from them, but he prayed. But he had some emotions that he had to let out that he wanted to talk to God, his father about. And that's about the death on the cross. He went to God to talk about what was ahead of him. Don't be surprised that your loved one has some emotions they want to let out. And guess what? You might be the very person they may want to talk to or pray with. Let them. Let them have that honest transparency to say, my, my, I'm unsettled. I need you to pray with me. Don't shut them down. If I can say anything, don't shut them down. Be with them. Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Be with me. Watch with me. Pray with me. Pray, pray in one accord with me. I need you. He's telling them, pray, pray with him. He's over there, but he wanted them, those three, his inner circle to pray with him. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground. Do you understand? He's falling. He's hurting. He's sorrowful. He's troubled. We keep seeing Christ, but we never see the emotions. This was a lot. Yes, he's going to go to the cross, but he's emotional. He fell down. He fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me yet, not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. His inner circle. His people, he needs to help him. His people, he needs to be near him to help him go through the sorrow and the trouble. Like us, we're sleeping, we're tired, had a long day, but he needed them. And he says, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? Just one hour. He asked Peter, who just said he wouldn't deny him. 
who had all these big words. He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may you may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away. He didn't say anything to Peter this time. He just left them and he went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, he said something this time again, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hours come and the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. And then you see the whole of what's going on with Judas and the kiss. And he calls him friend. Jump over to Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 through 61, because I want y'all to see something. He's on the cross and we see all the things. We could have gone to Luke. We could have gone to the gospels and seen the different discussions about the resurrection where he tells John, here's, here's your mother, mother, here's your son. He says the part about my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because of sin, our sin, there's a separation for the first time. And he cried out with that loud voice because of the love and the agony of the separation, but knowing in order for the love that he had for us to have salvation through blood that had no sin, he had to go on that cross. Even though the three men couldn't pray and watch with him, he wanted it to be the Lord's will that be done, not his will, not his flesh. His flesh was being crucified because of love. But I want you to see here in this passage here that I want you to see on verse 51, because of time I'm skipping around, but read all of Matthew 27 and verses 45 through 61. At that moment, after he has given up his spirit, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. I want to tell you all that for this reason. When Christ died, the separation that you had to have anybody but him be the high priest for us was changed. You don't need a priest. He is the high priest. You don't need the pastor. You don't need any special person other than Christ to be that high priest for you. You have to have a saving relationship of Christ. You have to repent before the Lord of the sins that Christ's blood washed away so that you would have access to the father. You can't get access to the father by being a goody two shoes and thinking you're going to do all this stuff. That's not how you get access. You have to repent of your sins that all of us have committed, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But when that, when that curtain of the temple was, was torn from top to bottom, he's at the top with the father and he tore the temple through his blood sacrifice so that everyone from bottom up, top down have access when they came to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. 
So many want to tell you, you don't have to do anything with Jesus. It's not about Jesus. That's a lie of the devil. And unless you understand the saving relationship of who he is in your life and what he's done, you could find yourself taking your last breath and finding yourself in eternity with hell. My remembrance of my dear friend and brother knows that he's not in hell. He's with the Lord. And that makes me smile. I know I cry because I miss him, but I don't miss him enough to say that I want him back here in this corrupted body, sick, hurting, suffering. I love God enough to know that he's in such a better place. He's with the Lord. He's with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's rejoicing around glory. And I am joyful for that. As much as I miss him, as much as Faith and Albany and all of his friends and brothers and sisters in the Lord miss him, we know we will see him again. I say this one thing for the rich, because at the end of this, it says the burial of Jesus in verse 57. It says a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. You don't have to be thinking because you're rich with money, you can't accept Christ. Christ doesn't stigmatize, has no favorites, has no favoritism. There's no respect of persons, poor, rich, in between, old, young, all peoples he loves and gave his life for you. The last scripture I'm going to read tonight, and it's okay to be long sometime because we have all kinds of attention for everything. I'm going to read first Corinthians chapter 15, and I'm going to read the verses that I read to William one, three o'clock in the morning where his eyes were open and he wasn't saying anything. It says in verse 40, there are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars for one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a, a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth and made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. 
So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I shared that with my brother, William Helm, who I will see Lord willing in heaven one day when the Lord calls this sister, his friend, his dear friend home. Just like I hope and pray that those of you that he's loved and proclaimed the word of truth will get serious about your faith in the Lord Jesus. There's a time to be born. It's a time to die. It is my prayer that you will hear the word of the Lord and you will repent and go before the Lord Jesus and ask him for his salvation. The harvest is ripe, but the labors are few. Thank you, Lord, that the laborer William Dallas Helm is there with you. Thank you, Father, for being such a loving God that you allow Jesus Christ, who's there at the right hand for you, Lord. I thank you for all of you. I thank you for those of you who are in mourning and grieving. And I pray in the name of Jesus that your heart will be comforted by the Holy Spirit as mine is and will be. I love you. And through the grace of God, I pray to see you next week. God bless you. And I love you so much. Goodbye. Okay.